Good morning from Beirut, Lebanon. This is Mina Now. It's Monday, February the 22nd, and this is your morning briefing. Kicking off today's episode with the main news in Lebanon first, Lebanon is set to hold parliamentary by-elections for 10 vacant seats by the end of March, according to the caretaker interior minister. The elections will be the first of its kind since October the 17th, when protests rocked the country last year. And Lebanon has been 10 MPs short since mid-2020, leaving the parliament with 118 members out of 128. Eight of the members resigned back in August over the Beirut port blast, while two members died due to the coronavirus at the beginning of 2021. Political bickering and disagreements continue to deny Lebanon a rescue government. Member of Parliament Gibran Basil called for raising the number of a proposed 18-member cabinet of nonpartisan specialists to 20 or 22 ministers as a way out of the months-long government standoff, a proposal that is likely to be spurned by Prime Minister-designate Saad Hariri. Basile denied Hadidi's accusations that either President Michel Aoun or the Free Patriotic Movement had demanded a blocking third veto power in the new government. And with this future movement, Member of Parliament Mohamed Hajjar entirely ruled out the possible expansion of the proposed 18-member cabinet. Responding to Basile, the statement said, quote, One final word. The ongoing attempt to inflame sectarian tensions will not succeed, Gibran, no matter how much you try to drive a wedge between Muslims and Christians. Throughout his speech, Basile vowed to continue the battle to defend the rights of Christians, even with intensifying foreign and Arab calls urging political leaders in Lebanon to speed a much-needed government. Domestic hurdles stand in the way of any progress. Sunday marked the one-year anniversary of Lebanon's first detected COVID-19 case. Lebanon will enter the second phase of gradually easing restrictions on Monday as part of a lockdown aimed to contain the spread of the COVID-19 virus. Travel agents, car dealerships, mechanic shops, car washes and flower shops will be allowed to open during the day and on-site construction work can resume, but engineering company offices are to remain closed. People are still obliged to get permission through an online platform to leave their homes. The new measures also increase capacity for factories and banks up to 50% of staff. Lebanon imposed a complete lockdown on January the 14th after a dramatic rise in the numbers of coronavirus deaths and cases. And looking out at the vaccine rollout, Lebanon received its second shipment of the coronavirus vaccine on Saturday, containing around 31,500 Pfizer-BioNTech vaccines. More than seven months later, obstructions continue to plague the investigation into the August 4th port explosion. Relatives of the Beirut port blast victims held a protest for the second day on Friday and blocked traffic in the Yad al-Sula highway after a decision that removed Judge Fadi Sawan off the case. And on Thursday, a dozen family members held a protest and blocked traffic burning tires outside the Palace of Justice. 
Lebanon's highest court on Thursday decided to remove the chief prosecutor of the blast investigation following legal challenges by senior officials he'd accused of negligence that led to the blast. And after just one day of the removal of Judge Fadi Sawan, the Higher Judicial Council appointed Judge Tad Ditad as the new lead investigator of the Beirut blast probe. Rights activists condemned the move as the latest example of an entrenched political class placing itself above the law. Lawyer and activist Nizar Zaghiye tentatively welcomed Bitar's appointment and said that he had a good reputation as being competent. But after Sawan's removal, he wondered whether the new judge would be able to conduct his work, quote, without interference of pressure. Meanwhile, Lebanese forces lawmakers will visit the office of the UN Special Coordinator for Lebanon to deliver a petition demanding an international fact-finding mission into the blast. And Maronite Patriarch Upshara al-Rahi renewed his call for a UN-sponsored international conference on Lebanon. Shifting to the second segment of this episode, the region at a glance. First, Israel paid Russia 1.2 million U.S. dollars to provide the Syrian government with coronavirus vaccines as part of a deal that secured the release of an Israeli woman held captive in Damascus. Now, the terms of the trade-off orchestrated by Moscow between the two nations remained unclear. But the fact that Israel is providing vaccines to Syria drew criticism at home and stands in contrast to Israel's refusal to provide significant quantities of vaccines to Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza Strip. With more on Palestine, ruling parties inch towards the possibility of their first election in 15 years. Jerusalem is likely to emerge as either a flashpoint or a pretext for an action, depending on whom you ask. The city's potent symbolism has created a long list of rules and face-saving demands that must be navigated if the vote is to come to fruition. The Palestinians insist that an election cannot happen if their hoped-for future capital is not included. And optimism has slowly been growing in diplomatic circles, However, this time would be different, that after 15 years, the Palestinians might actually head to the ballot box. Looking at rising tensions in the region, the U.S. military is looking for fallback bases in Saudi Arabia to prevent its troops deployed there from becoming obvious targets in the event of tensions with Iran, a senior U.S. military official said. Now, the Wall Street Journal reported on plans for ports and air bases in the kingdom's western desert, which the U.S. military would seek to develop as positions to be used if a war were to break out with Iran. And President Joe Biden's administration said Thursday it was ready to meet with Iranian officials under EU auspices to jumpstart diplomacy and reversed Trump's widely derided contention that the United Nations had imposed new sanctions on Iran. After U.S. President Biden announced an end of support to the war, the conflict in Yemen has taken a sharp escalatory turn, and the country is speeding towards the worst famine the country has seen in decades. U.N. officials have warned as the U.S. under Joe Biden takes a renewed interest in finding a diplomatic solution to the war. Attacks by the Houthi rebels in Medib province were threatening to displace tens of thousands of civilians. 
Madib is controlled by the Saudi-backed Yemeni government of President Abd Rabbu Mansour Hadi and is strategically important due to its gas and oil reserves. Having said this, we have now reached the end of Mina Now's podcast episode. As always, thank you so much for your time and don't forget to subscribe. I'll be here every morning. This is Mina Now.